0: Here's another study from Calvary Chapel, Rochester. Believe it or not, today we are going to finish Exodus, our study in Exodus. It's been a very fruitful study, um, and uh, you know... uh, last week we kind of did a part one of finishing the the work and and this week we're really doing part two and what i'm trying to do or what i want to do is i just want to go through the next three chapters and uh i didn't read them all the way through before the worship service because we would have still been like finishing up right now i'm just kidding but um you know I, I got a feeling i was telling teresa this this week i said yeah i'm doing all these she goes Oh, don't read all the chapters. She goes. People are just going to. It's just going to sit there and glaze over. I'm like, okay. So, um, but I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read just a few portions, and I, I don't feel too bad about this because. Everything that almost everything except for what I'm gonna actually bring out today, but a lot of the things that we're gonna read, I'm gonna just briefly mention, we did a study on them in previous chapters in Exodus. Most of those chapters, most of those studies are on our webpage too. So if you're if you're like, oh man, he didn't cover that. I'm kind of curious. You can go back to our website and you can find that message. And uh, you can listen to it, and uh, I encourage you to read these on your own as well. So let's go ahead and go Lord in prayer, and then we'll get into our study. Heavenly Father, we come before you come before you this morning, Lord. We're grateful for this opportunity to study your Word, and Lord, we thank you for your Word. Lord, it's your Word that changes us. Lord, it's your Word that reveals your character and your nature to us. Lord, it's your Word that reveals how you want us to live our lives as believers. And so, Lord, this, your word is so valuable. We thank you for your word. And, Lord, as we study your word this morning, I pray that your spirit might speak to each one of us, Lord, individually and corporately as a church, Lord, that we might be edified. Lord, if we need to be challenged this morning, challenge us. Lord, if we need to be comforted or encouraged or maybe instructed this morning, Lord, I pray that we would find that in this message, that your spirit would minister to whatever needs are out there in this fellowship. And so I thank you for your word this morning, Lord, and I ask your blessing upon the teaching of your word. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Exodus chapter 38 through 40, and I title it Finishing the Work according to the command and you'll understand as we go through that. So beginning with Exodus chapter 38, if you have your Bibles in uh, verses one through seven, we have the construction of the bronze altar of burnt offering. I am not going to read that portion um, because we studied it before. It is a direct fulfillment of Of the command that was given in Exodus chapter 27, verses 1 through 8. So if you're taking notes and you want to refer back to it, it's almost verbatim the same that we read before, Exodus chapter 27, verses 1 through 8. It's almost like the verbs were just changed. You know, it's you shall construct, you shall do this. Well, then we come to this chapter, they did this. So it's basically a completely direct fulfillment of that command. The, The bronze altar was in the courtyard of the tabernacle, that was where all sacrifices that were commanded, as we go through the book of Leviticus and Numbers and all that, there's there's commands about different sacrifices. They were all to be done there on the altar of burnt offering there. Um, the bronze, the brazen altar there in the courtyard of the tabernacle and you know all of this all these sacrifices the altar itself it points to the cross of Christ at Calvary so for you and I as we study this just think about the cross because that's what it points to that's where Jesus laid down his life for you and I I love it. we're getting close to Easter we'll be we'll be just reflecting on that as we get closer and you know out of our love for him because we don't do it to earn anything. We can't earn our own righteousness. But out of our love for him, you and I as believers, were to lay down our lives for him. Paul said this in Galatians 2 verse 20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the faith which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's that love that compels us to lay down our lives for Christ. Paul said this in Galatians six fourteen, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So Jesus Christ set the example for us and now we're to follow it. Again, it's not to earn anything because you can't earn your salvation, but it's out of love for what he did for us. So that's the burnt offering, the altar of burnt offering. Now we get to verse 8, and it talks about the construction of the bronze laver, and I'm going to read that. Verse 8, he made the laver of bronze and its base of bronze, from the bronze mirrors of the serving woman who were assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. By the way, bronze in the Bible is a symbol of judgment, God's judgment. And so the altar was made of bronze and this laver is made of bronze. This laver is a fulfillment of the command in, in Exodus chapter 30, verses 17 to 21. That's where Moses was given the instructions for constructing the altar. Bronze laver. That laver, it's basically a. a it almost looks. Like, well, I don't know exactly what it looks like because we don't have a. You know, we, we have the description, but we can kind of guess in our minds. But it's kind of like a big bird bath or something. That's what it looks like to me, anyways. Um, but basically. That would be where the priests would wash themselves. They would ritually cleanse themselves before they entered into the tabernacle to serve the Lord. So you come into the tabernacle or the courtyard of the tabernacle. The first thing you would encounter was that bronze altar. You'd, You'd offer your sacrifices. From then, you would walk straight beyond that to the bronze laver. That's where you would cleanse yourself. And then from there, you would go into the tabernacle if you were a priest. You know, <clears throat> what, a tes- uh, what a testimony, I should say, of the women who were devoted to serving the, the Lord. Um, you know, the Lord didn't specifically, if you, if you went to Exodus 30, and we're not going to look at that, but if you went there and looked at the construction, the Lord doesn't command, have all the women turn in their mirrors, <laughs> and we're going to use that for the, he didn't even say that. It, from all that I can tell, it appears that the women voluntarily, offered their mirrors. And so what a beautiful testimony of these women. I think what they are doing is they're living out 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 4, where Peter says this, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. In my Bible, in the New King James, where it says "merely," where it says "do not let your adornment be merely outward," "merely" is italicized, and you might say, "Well, that means it's not in the original translation." Well, that verb about "do not let" it's it's not an absolute verb. It's it's he could have used they could have used a different Hebrew verb. This verb it's it's it basically means basically what they translated. It's not like the women couldn't wear makeup or. Make their, you know, make themselves look pretty. They, it's not like they couldn't do that, but what Paul, or excuse me, yeah, what Paul is saying is, don't let it merely be that. Don't, don't be let that be your focus, your external looks, your external appearance, because it's the heart that matters. God's the one that looks at our hearts. We're going to go back to verse eight later on. We're going to come back to that, uh, and uh, later on in our message here. we get to verse 9, and now we have the construction of the court of the tabernacle. Again, this is another portion that we studied before, so I'm not going to read uh, that portion of Scripture. It's verses 9 through 20, and that is also a fulfillment of the command that was given in uh, chapter 27, verses 9 through 19. The courtyard of the tabernacle. That was what surrounded the tent of the tabernacle. The bronze altar was in the middle of the courtyard and then the the laver that we just discussed. That was the place where the worshipers of the Lord entered into the courtyard to worship the Lord. But only the priests could go beyond into the tabernacle itself, into the holy place. The worshipers could come to the altar, but, but beyond that was only the priests could go into the tabernacle themselves. And then there's, you when know, we studied the tabernacle, you have the, the holy of holies, or excuse me, the holy place, and then beyond that was the, beyond the veil was the holy of holies. And that, not even an ordinary priest could go in, only the high priest, and only once a year on the day of atonement, they could go into the, to the very holy place, uh, the holy of holies. But for you and I, We're not under that old covenant. We're under the new covenant. There's no limit on how far we can go in to the presence of the Lord. We're not limited. You limit yourself. We're not limited on what we can do. And you know, if you think about it, you know, we all come to faith in the Lord, and I trust everybody here is a believer, or at least I hope everybody is. But you know, you come to faith in the Lord, and some people are kind of content, so to speak, just hanging out in the courtyard, which is fine. They understand Christ's sacrifice for their sins, you know, they're, the labor, and we'll talk about that later. It's, it's you know, they've repented of their sins, and they, 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 they're in, being sanctified practically as they're living out their Christian lives. And, and some people are content to just be there. And that is fine, that's good. Some people though are like, you know, that's not enough. I wanna start serving the Lord. And just like those priests that would enter the holy place, they're like, man, I wanna start doing things for the Lord. And there's many of you that do that here at Calvary Chapel Rochester. Or maybe you do it and you have a ministry outside of, this, outside of the walls of this church and you're involved ministering, uh, that's serving the Lord. And so some people, they're content to just hang out in the courtyard, man, this is awesome. But others are like, you no, know, I wanna go further. And yet there's still others that are going, that's not enough either. I want to dwell with the in the presence of the Lord. I want to just linger there. And that's awesome. Again, we limit ourselves. There's no limit. The Lord doesn't say, you can only, you know, you can come. No, not you, you know. He doesn't do that. We are the ones that limit ourselves. The court of the tabernacle, and later on, of course, it'll be the temple, figures very prominently in the Old Testament. I'm going to quote a few verses they're all out of psalms but this is how important the court of the tabernacle was to the old testament uh, saints in psalms 100 verse 4 enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise be thankful to him and bless his name you Now, i believe even coming here is like we're coming into that courtyard Psalm 96, verse 8, give, the Lord, give to the Lord the glory do his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Psalms 84, verse 2, my soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Psalm 65, verse 4, blessed is the man you choose and cause to approach you that he may dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, of your holy temple. Man, if you have a relationship with the Lord, man, it's such a blessing to be in that relationship, to be in the kingdom of God, to be in the part of the family of God. I want to mention one thing about the court of the tabernacle, and that's the height of the pillars and the panels. Because we're given a specific height of how tall these panels. You know, there were several linen panels. You can see it on the diagram there, and there was pillars all around that that they were hung from suspended from and that served as giving creating the boundary of the court of the tabernacle and uh, um, I you know I like those little maps where you're like you're trying to figure out where you're at and you go to a thing that says you are here so if you see there's a circle there and it's kind of not the best graphic but there's a couple people standing right outside of the tabernacle or the courtyard I should say imagine you are there and I think the height is fairly accurate. It might not be totally accurate, but I think it's fairly scaled properly. So imagine you're where that circle is, and you're standing there looking at the tabernacle. What are you going to see? Or not a whole lot. You could even step back a little, few, little ways away. You're not going to see a whole lot. See, from the outside, you're not going to see the altar burn burnt offering. You won't see it, unless maybe you're up on a hill or way far away. Maybe you'll see it. But when you're up kind of close, you won't see it. You won't see the bronze laver. You also won't see the entrance to the tabernacle, or at least most of it you won't see. All you probably can see is, if you were looking at the tabernacle, and we talked about the different layers that cover the tabernacle, that last outermost layer was a layer of what was known as badger skins. It was basically like a leather waterproof covering, a weatherproof covering over the... Th- and it was plain. It wasn't like fancy or colorful. It was just whatever it was, whatever ba- the badgers literally... Were they literally badgers? We don't know. But whatever animal it was, it was very plain looking on the outside. So if you were on the outside of the courtyard, you would only see that. You wouldn't, you wouldn't know all the beauty that's inside the tabernacle. You wouldn't have seen the altar or the, or the bronze laver. You might see smoke rising from the altar as they're sacrificing, and you would certainly see the cloud above the tabernacle during the daytime or the fire at night. It's not until you entered into the courtyard that you would see the other things, that you would see the altar, that you would see the, the, uh, the bronze laver. You know, it's not until you entered into the courtyard that you would gain an understanding and appreciation of what was taking place inside. And that's just like our relationship with the Lord because the world is outside of the court, so to speak. And they look at you and I, and they don't understand what we're doing. They, they, you know, you talk with people about Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for them, and they, it's like they just don't get it. Why would you worship a guy that died 2,000 years ago? And some of them say, well, I don't even know if Jesus even was a human. I mean, I don't know if he was really a historical being or not. You know, the world, they're outside. They don't understand that. They don't get being washed and cleansed you know, through repentance of our sins and reading God's word and all that. They, it just doesn't make sense to them. Why are you doing it? That's because they're outside. They don't see it. They don't gain, they can't see the beauty of the tabernacle. The, you know, they can't even see the full entrance. They just get a clue, basically. It's not until they enter the kingdom of God through a personal relationship with Jesus that all of a sudden now they understand. And if you were an unbeliever at one point in your life and you were looking at the, out, you're like, I don't understand these believers. But until you got into a relationship with the Lord, then it's like, man, it makes sense now. Man, I totally understand what's going on. And then you gain a greater appreciation of what Christ did for you. Then everything makes sense. We're going to move on here to verse 21. And this is an accounting of the precious materials used in constructing the tabernacle. But first, I want to read a portion that talks about the people involved. Verse 21. This is the inventory of the tabernacle, the tabernacle of the testimony, which was counted according to the commandment of Moses for the service of the Levites, by the hand of Ithamar, son of Aaron the priest. Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, made all that the Lord commanded Moses. And with him was Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, an engraver and designer, a weaver of blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and of fine linen. So I want to, this is one place where I want to jump back. If you have your Bibles, turn back to Exodus chapter 35. Exodus chapter 35, verse 30. This was where God commanded by name these individuals. and I just want to read about that. Verse 30 of chapter 35 says, And Moses said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding, in knowledge and all manner of workmanship, to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of artistic workmanship. And he has put in his heart the ability to teach in him and in Aholiab, the son of Ahissamach, of the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with skill to do all manner of work of the engraver and the designer and the tapestry maker in blue, purple, scarlet thread, and fine linen, and of the weaver, those who do every work and those who design artistic works. reason why I wanted to go back to that is it's so interesting to me that these gentlemen were called by name. God says, I want you to, these certain individuals, I want them to be doing the artistic work and the the actual constructing of the different things. They were called by name, and then they were filled with the Holy Spirit for their tasks. For you and I as believers, we've been given gifts from the Holy Spirit for a purpose to minister in different things and we see here various gifts. I mean, for example, Ithamar, he wasn't one of the guys doing the constructing. He was one of these guys that had what we would maybe say the gift of administration. He was really good with numbers. He was faithful and he kept an accounting of all the things that was taking place faithfully because it was a gift from the Lord. And we see the gift of these other gentlemen. You know, for you and I in the body of Christ, we all have different gifts. And we're all, we're all to employ them in the edification of the church. And then the, I the last thing I want to point out of this is it's very interesting to me. Not only did God give these guys the gifts to do it, but he put it in their hearts, the ability to pass it on to others. I think that's a, so what a beautiful picture of discipleship. God gives, you know, God gives you a, a gift and you start serving in that gift. Maybe you're here at the church ministering and then he puts it in your heart, the ability to bring someone along and say, hey, you know, if you're not doing anything, why don't you hang out with me? And and you start serving one along, but side by side. And, you know, it's a good thing. And of course, in the, in any business or in anything, it's good to train up replacements, right? I mean, it's, it's, except for, I remember one time in my job in a corporate world where I had to uh, train in my replacement from Mexico. <laughs> and before that, a, training from Sing- a trainer from Singapore, a guy from Singapore. And it's like, it felt kind of weird. I'm like, yeah, you're taking my job, but here's how to do it, you know. But, but in ministry, it's different. It's, it's so good to, to get others involved. And, to, you know, maybe, maybe you sense that I think this person has the same gift I do. Man, encourage them. Say, hey, why don't you come along? Why don't you minister with me? And, uh, and, you know, one of the things that we do here with, many, you know, we gotta, we're got we blessed with so many people that can play instruments and stuff. It's, it's awesome. Um, and, you know, one of the things that our, our worship leader before, Luke, and I know Tracy has the same heart, and I certainly have the same heart, is like, hey, you can play an instrument. Why don't you come up and practice with us? And, you know, maybe the Lord's going to lay on your heart. You can be a part of the worship team. It's not like an exclusive club where only certain individuals you have to try out for it. No. We just, we're looking for people, and we want to encourage you in your gifts, if that's one of your gifts, are, your callings. So I just think it's a, it's a beautiful picture here that we see of the people involved. And then we get to verse 24, and it talks about the materials, at least the precious materials used in the construction. Look at verse 24. All the gold that was used in all the work of the holy place, that is, the gold of the offering was 29 talents and 730 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. And from the and the silver from those who were numbered of the congregation was 100 talents and 1,775 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. A beka or Becca, uh, for each man, that is half a shekel, according to the shekel of sanctuary, for everyone included in the numbering from 20 years old and above, for 603,550 men. And from the hundred talents of silver were cast the sockets of the sanctuary and the bases of the veil. The sockets were like the foundation for this structure. One hundred sockets from the hundred talents, one talent for each socket, Then from the 1,775 shekels, he made hooks for the pillars, overlaid their capitals, and made bands for them. The offering of bronze was 70 talents and 2,400 shekels. And with it, he made the sockets for the door of the tabernacle of meeting, the bronze altar, the bronze grating for it, and all the utensils for the altar, the sockets for the court all around, uh, the basis for the court gate, all the pegs for the tabernacle, and all the pegs for the court all around. Um, a talent. We don't know exactly, but uh, biblical scholars think that a talent uh, weighed about 70 pounds in you know, our measurements today. If that's true and if that's the case, then it says that the gold, there is 29 talents plus a certain amount of shekels. Just looking at the talents alone would be about 2,030 pounds of gold in the construction of the tabernacle. 2,030 pounds of gold, which translates to about 32,480 ounces. That's a lot. <laughs> the silver, 100 talents plus shekels, would be at least 7,000 pounds of silver or about 112,000 ounces. The bronze would be about 70 talents, which would be about 4,900 pounds. Now, gold today—I look actually yesterday—gold was selling the Troy ounce, which I think it's the same, uh, was $1,314.50 an ounce. Remember, 32,480 ounces. Silver right now is going for $15.46 an ounce. And bronze, I couldn't find a bronze price, but I found scrap bronze. Scrap bronze was sixty a pound. Listen, if you were to do the calculations and the math using today's prices, that tabernacle, the materials used, would have been about $44 million worth of precious metals that were used in the construction of the tabernacle. And that leads to a great big question. Where would a nation of slaves get $44 million worth of precious metals? Where would they get it? Well, the answer is they got it from the Lord. Because before leaving Egypt, God put it on the hearts of the Egyptians to give them precious metals to give them their gold their jewelry they wanted they were so glad that they were leaving because of the plagues of egypt they're like here and let me give you my mom's fine dishes you know take this and you know uh, aunt emma's you know candlestick you can have it too you know all that stuff was given the lord provided all those things for the children of israel and basically what it was you know they were slaves for around 400 years God was basically giving him back pay for 400 years of labor. I mean, God is so faithful. He's so good. You know, I love what Pastor Chuck Smith used to say, and, and it's a truth, and I've seen it borne out in my own life. I've seen it in the life of our fellowship here where God guides, God provides. And God guided, and he provided miraculously for the children of Israel. It's amazing. All right, we get to chapter 39, the making of the priest's garments verses 1 through 31. I'm not going to read that. Uh, It's a fulfillment of the command in Exodus chapter 28. I'll just mention a couple things. It talks about the construction of the ephod. The ephod was essentially like a blue apron that was was put over the linen uh, garments of the priests. The breast of judgment, was attached to the ephod and that had 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, there was the, the construction of the turban which was uh, you know, a, a hat basically and it had a gold miter, a gold crown that said holiness to the Lord. All of that is in these first 31 verses of chapter 39. Again, if you're interested, go back and read it. Uh, you can also read it, uh, the command for it in Exodus chapter 28. I want to focus now down to chapter, or excuse me, verse 32. And I do want to read this. So we have all those things that were constructed. They were done as they were commanded. We get to verse 32 of chapter 39. Thus, all the work of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting was finished. And the children of Israel did, according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses. So they did. And they brought the tabernacle to Moses, the tent and all its furnishings, its clasps, its boards, its bars, its pillars, and its sockets, the covering of ram skins dyed red, the covering of badger skins, and the veil of the covering, the ark of the testimony with its poles, and the mercy seat, the table, and all its utensils, and the showbread, the pure gold lampstand with its lamps, the lamps set in order, all its utensils, and the oil for light, the gold altar, the anointing oil and the sweet incense, the screen for the tabernacle door, the bronze altar, its grate of bronze, its poles and all its utensils, the laver with its base, the hangings of the court, its pillars and its sockets, the screen for the court gate, its cords and its pegs, all the utensils for the service of the tabernacle, for the tent of meeting and the garments of ministry to minister in the holy place. THE HOLY GARMENTS FOR AARON THE PRIEST AND HIS SON'S GARMENTS TO MINISTER AS PRIESTS, ACCORDING TO ALL THAT THE LORD HAD COMMANDED MOSES, SO THE CHILDREN OF ISRAEL DID ALL THE WORK. THEN MOSES LOOKED OVER ALL THE WORK, AND INDEED THEY HAD DONE IT AS THE LORD HAD COMMANDED, JUST SO THEY HAD DONE IT, AND MOSES BLESSED THEM. LOOK AT VERSE 32, AND THE CHILDREN OF ISRAEL DID according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so they did. Look at verse 42. According to all the Lord had commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did all the work. Verse 43. Indeed, they had done it as the Lord had commanded, just so they had done it. Do you sense a theme being brought out in this passage of Scripture? I hope you do. Turn to chapter 40, verses 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, On the first day of the month you shall set up the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. You shall put it in the ark of the testimony and partition off the ark with the veil. You shall bring in the table and arrange the things that are to be set in order on it. And you shall bring in the lampstand and light its lamps. You shall also set the altar of gold for the incense before the ark of the testimony and put the screen for the door of the tabernacle. Then you shall set the altar of burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. And you shall set the laver there, uh, excuse me, set the laver between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar and put, uh, put water in it. <clears throat> you shall set up the court all around and hang up the screen at the court gate. And you shall take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it. And you shall hallow it and all its utensils and it shall be holy. You shall anoint the altar, the burnt offering, and all its utensils, and consecrate the altar. The altar shall be most holy. And you shall anoint the laver and its base and consecrate it. Then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the door of the tabernacle of meeting and wash them with water. You shall put the holy garments on Aaron and anoint him and consecrate him, that he may minister to me as priests. And you shall bring his sons and clothe them with tunics you shall anoint them as you anointed their father and that they may minister to me as priests for their anointing shall surely be an everlasting priesthood throughout their generations. Look at verse 16. There's a theme again. Thus Moses did according to all the Lord had commanded him, so he did. Verse 17, and it came to pass In the first month of the second year, on the first day of the month, that the tabernacle was raised up. So Moses raised up the tabernacle, fastened its sockets, set up its boards, and put it in its bars, and raised up its pillars. And he spread out the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent on top of it, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He took the testimony and put it into the ark inserted the poles through the rings of the ark and put the mercy seat on top of the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle, hung up the veil of the covering and partitioned off the ark of the testimony as the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 19, look at that. As the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 21, as the Lord commanded Moses. So many times, by the way, um, I don't know how many of you start projects and then kind of set them aside. I've I have a tendency to do that, which is not good. They started the project of constructing and gathering all the materials. It took them six months from the time they received the command till when they actually constructed and they were finished with the tabernacle. And uh, for some of us, six months is like, man, that's fast because it would have taken us like six years, you know, and start it and stop it, start and stop it. But uh, they were motivated. Look at all the times we're told in the next few verses How Moses did as the Lord commanded him. Verse 22. He put the table in the tabernacle of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle, outside the veil. And he set up the bread in order upon it before the Lord, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the lampstands in the tabernacle of meeting across from the table, on the south side of the tabernacle. And he lit the lamps before the Lord, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the gold altar in the tabernacle of meeting in front of the veil, and he burned sweet incense on it, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He hung up the screen at the door of the tabernacle, and he put the altar of burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting, and offered upon it the burnt offering and the grain offering, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He set the labor between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar and put water there for washing, and Moses and Aaron and his sons would wash their hands and their feet with water from it. Wherever they went into the tabernacle of meeting and they came out near the altar, they washed as the Lord had commanded Moses. And he raised up the court all around the tabernacle and the altar and hung up the screen of the court gate. So Moses finished the work. That that theme kind of runs through these last few chapters. Moses did all that the Lord had commanded him, and he finished the work. Paul echoes something kind of similar in 2 Timothy verse 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 7. Timothy was in prison for the last time. He would be executed uh, by Rome shortly after this, martyred for his faith. And he wrote what we believe is the last epistle to Timothy, and in Second Timothy four verse seven, Tim Paul knew that his life was short; that pretty soon he'd be in the arms of the Savior, and he said this: "I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith." Let me ask you that: is that is that something? Is that is that your heart this morning too? Man, I want I want to finish well. I want to I want to do what the Lord's laid on my heart. I want to. I want to finish the course. Whatever the Lord's put on your in your life, I want, to, I want to finish well. Paul said that. Moses did that. And of course, the example for all of us is our Lord Jesus Christ. When he was uh, about ready to be crucified there, John 17, verse 4, he's praying to the Lord. He says, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Jesus came. He, w- he was the only one that was born to die. That that was his mission in life. I'm I'm sending you to the earth, you're going to die. That that was his purpose. Born to die, and he finished that work and he died on the cross for you and I. So we see and you know if if you go through and you read the rest of Israel's history, they were not always obedient. In fact, even in the wilderness, there's going to be, and even before we read about them offering, you know, creating a gold calf and worshiping it, these guys are not perfect. But you see here in verse 34, after they're obedient, man, the Lord blesses them with his presence. Look at that verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, Then they did not journey till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle day by day and fire was over it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. When you get to the book of Numbers, you'll read a lot more about their traveling when they would take up their, you know, the cloud would be lifted and then they'd follow the Lord. But in conclusion here is like I said, man, we actually made it through Exodus. And in conclusion... I want to just draw your attention. You don't need to turn there, but there's some scriptures that talks about Moses. And one of them is Numbers chapter 12, verse seven, speaking about Moses. And that's when uh, um, Aaron and his uh, their sister, uh, I'm blanking on her name. Miriam. Miriam, thank you. When uh, Aaron and Miriam rebelled against Moses' leadership, Um, that the Lord rebuked them. And in chapter 12, verse 7, he says, speaking of Moses, the Lord said, he is faithful in all my house. Moses is faithful, man, my servant Moses. We get to Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. And it says, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. That's you and I, by the way. Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. What a testimony of Moses. Nothing else could be said about him, man. He was faithful. And he finished the work that the Lord gave him. How was Moses faithful? Well, think about it, man. He was prepared as an infant. The Lord made this uh, divine appointment for him to be raised up in, in Pharaoh's house as the son of Pharaoh, the adopted son of Pharaoh. God made that happen. He was planning to use the life of this little baby to deliver the nation of Israel. He was prepared, and then God called him as an adult. And you'll recall when he was first called, he was reluctant He's like, no, you know, when he was first called, or actually before he was called, he felt like, okay, God's put me in this place to deliver my brothers the Hebrews, and he was all gung-ho, and he was doing it in his own strength, and it failed miserably. Then he went into the desert of Midian for 40 years and met his wife there, his father-in-law Jethro and all that, And, uh, and then after 40 years, he's there tending sheep, just minding his own business, and he sees this flaming bush, Man, I gotta check that out. That's not a very common sight. And He goes, walks over, and sees this flaming bush, that's not burning. It's not being consumed. And the Lord God spoke to him and called him to send him to go to Egypt. And you recall, he didn't want to do it. He was reluctant. But you know what? He did end up obeying the Lord God. Sometimes the Lord's laid things on our hearts, and we've you know we've kind of not did it. We we dropped the ball in whatever way or whatever you know we've been maybe we didn't want to do what the lord's laying on our heart because it's too difficult or we don't know what the consequences are going to be or what's it going to cost if i do this or something and sometimes we're unfaithful or we're reluctant or whatever but moses he was in that place too he, if he was here today he could identify with that but he finally did finish the work and he was faithful Everything God told Moses, Moses obeyed it and commanded it, uh, communicate. And then he communicated it faithfully to the hearers of the command. That was another thing he was faithful with. Because he is the only one that was up on the mountain receiving the commandments. All the things that we read in the last so how many chapters, he came down from the mountain and said, okay, this is what the Lord said. And he communicated it faithfully. And it's so faithfully to the point that they were able to do exactly as the Lord had commanded because of his instructions. What, a, what an awesome, awesome individual. Wouldn't that be cool? If someone were to look at your life, and they go, wow, you live your life just like the Bible. I, man, when I read the Bible, and I look at you, I don't see any difference. Wouldn't that be cool if people would say that about us? That, that they look at the life of Jesus and how we live, and they go, man, I see, you, you remind me of Jesus. That would be awesome if people would say that about you and I. How can we be people like that? Because you know what? We can be faithful like Moses. How can we do that? And that's where I want to take you back to Exodus chapter 38, verse 8. If you can go ahead and turn there if you want. And I think this is one aspect. And I think it's an important aspect. He made the laver of bronze and its base of bronze from the bronze mirrors of the serving women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So recall, I mentioned earlier, this would be where the priests, they would wash themselves in the water of the labor. And it's interesting that it was made out of the burnished bronze. Because, you know, if you're, if you're a mirror, you want to be able to see a good reflection of yourself. So you polish it up as good as you can so you can see yourself in it. I don't know, maybe if you were jaundiced, you wouldn't be able to tell because it's bronze, right? I don't know, but anyways. But um, <clears throat> thankfully, we have... Glass mirrors now, but that's what they had. They would burnish the bronze as, as as much as they could, as as shiny as they could, and that would reflect back their image. And so, this bronze altar, or excuse me, this laver, was made out of all these mirrors, and it was filled with water. And, and you know, the in the most often in the Bible, water is associated with God's word. Paul says this in Ephesians five verses twenty-five to twenty-six. And he's speaking to husbands, but I think it applies to all of us. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. You see, that's how the Lord cleanses you and I and prepares us for service in his kingdom. You know, it's like, I don't want to just stay in the courtyard, man. I want to I serve the Lord. I want to enter into his I want to do all these things for the Lord. Well, you got to pass by that labor. So the priests would lean over, and they'd start washing in that water. And it'd you know, be just, it probably is the shiniest thing in that whole court of the tabernacle, and maybe even in the tabernacle itself. And of course, they could see their reflection through the water. And maybe they had just sacrificed an animal, and there's some blood splatter you know, on them. And it's like, they're, they're washing, oh, wow, I didn't realize that. So they washed the, the blood off. Or maybe they were doing something else, and they got, they got a smudge of mud on their, on their eyebrow. They look down there. Oh wow! I gotta, I gotta clean that off. That's what that was for. How do you and I wash ourselves by the water of the Word? Basically, we read it. You gotta start somewhere. Read God's Word, and then reflect on it in light of yourself. Sometimes, we don't like reading certain passages of Scripture, you know, because it convicts us, or you know, it's like, oh man, I. They don't want to deal with that right now. So we don't we don't want to read that. Sometimes, in, and, I, and I'm guilty of doing this too, sometimes I'll be reading God's word and I'll go, man, that's, that's awesome. I need to share this with so-and-so because they're going through something and this really applies to them. And, you know, or there's like, man, I wish the certain individual, man, I wish they would read this because then they would realize how much they're a sinner and all this stuff, you know and we do that with messages too it's like this is an awesome message i wish i wish so and so was here to listen to it what we fail to do is read the word of god in light of ourselves and that's what we need to do if you want it, if you want it to actually produce a change in your life you got to read it and say lord and maybe even pray before you start lord as i'm reading this can you show me my life in light of the scriptures because that's what it, that's what this is picturing Reading God's word, and then as we read, you know, I, I, when I read God's word, almost every time, I go, man, oh, <laughs> well, wow, I got a smudge. I don't, I don't look exactly like I should. What do I do? I wash myself. How do you wash yourself? You repent of that sin. You repent of it. Confess it before the Lord and wash it away. And Lord washes it away, actually, for us. And then conform your life to the word of God. If you want, if you really want to change in your life, that's how it happens. It's, it's not like someone's going to wave a magic wand over you and all of a sudden you're going to be changed. It's through God's word that we change. And so read it in light of yourself. Don't Forget about everybody else. Let the Holy Spirit deal with them. You read it in light of yourself and go, okay, Lord, what are you, what are you showing me? How do I match up to this? And I guarantee in a lot of cases, at least maybe you guys are more spiritual, but a lot of times when I read it's like, man, I don't match up. Lord, I need to change. And then you ask the Lord to do that change in your heart. And he's faithful. He'll do that. And that's how you and I conform our lives to God's word. Because, you know, we want our lives to be totally, I mean, we want people to look at the Bible and read, well, this is what Christians are supposed to do. And then they, they, they read and they go, oh, yeah, Christians are supposed to love each other and do all that. And then they look and they go, wow, hey, I see it. Too often, though, they read and they go, well, this is what Christians are supposed to do. And they look at you go, huh? I don't, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't jive. That's because you and I aren't reading our, or aren't confirming conforming, I should say, our lives to God's word. And so I want to encourage you in that way. And of course, finishing the work because all of us have been given gifts and talents. All of us have been called into some way to serve the body of Christ in some way. And I want to encourage you, whatever way you've been called to finish what you're doing, be faithful in it like Moses was, because you can. The Holy Spirit will enable you to do that, um, to finish God's word according to the command. And so we see a beautiful picture here in the end of chapter Exodus, chapter Exodus, the book of Exodus. Uh, My wife's not around. I miss her, man. I've been been discombobulated all day today. So (laughs) all right. Hey, would you stand up and I'll have the worship team come on forward? I think what I'd like to do before we go into our last worship song, I want to give all of us, myself included, an opportunity to respond to God's word this morning. Because it would be a shame to give this teaching, and you go, wow, yeah, that's, you know, see all that, it. and then and then just say, okay, have a good day. There's donuts in the back. Enjoy your afternoon. How much more important for us to respond? And I've been praying that the Lord would lay it on all of our hearts individually. Not, I'm not, you know, this wasn't a tailored message for anybody. If anything, it was tailored for me, from the Holy Spirit. But let's just go to the Lord right now in prayer and say, Lord, show me where I don't match up to your word, where, where I need to conform to your word. Give me the courage to take this step because sometimes it's scary because it's like, oh, Lord, I, what's going to happen? You know, am I going to lose out on this or that? If I, if, I really, if I really follow you wholeheartedly, Lord, what's it going to cost me? God loves you so much when you when you finally do conform you look back and f- when you're in the presence of the lord and eventually you're going to look back and go man <laughs> thank you lord for calling me i thank you for enabling me to 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 be to finish that work according to whatever you called me so let's go lord in prayer heavenly father i thank you for uh, your word this morning lord i thank you that your word is living it's active and sharper than any two-edged sword lord that you cut through all of our excuses. You cut through all of our critical judgmentalism of others, Lord. And, you, Lord, you re- open up us. And, Lord, your word reveals where we need to transform, where we need to change. And so, Lord, this morning, I pray that if your spirit's been speaking to any one of us, Lord, here this morning, that, Lord, we would this morning determine to Repent of whatever sins we need to repent of and to start reading your word in, in light of ourselves. And Lord, that those areas where we haven't, maybe your spirit's already speaking to us and we, we know, <laughs> we already know that we're not conforming in a certain area. Lord, I pray that even right now we would repent of that sin and we would make the decision to follow you wholeheartedly, Lord God. So I pray for each and every person here this morning and those that are listening to the message as well. Lord, I, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you've given us your word that, Lord, it's not just a historical document. It's not just, uh, it's not just a, uh, something that we read that gives us a pattern for how to live our lives, like a, uh, a pattern of faith. But, Lord, it actually transforms us as we obey your word and as we live our lives according to your word. And so I pray for each one of us this morning that we would do just that. And so we thank you for your precious word this morning. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We're going to finish this last...